Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I make my own rules, one bonco party at a time. I write history and I read celebrities. I am JMZ. Life is a classroom, and I'm here to teach. Hello, welcome back to Historians on Housewives. You're here with me, Casey. Dr. Jane Mill, the millionaires. Max Spear. Today we're kicking off season three with an exciting episode featuring David Yontef from Behind the Velvet Rope podcast. We're publishing this episode in conjunction with the fourth and final episode of the Beverly Hills reunion. And the reason for that is because David was trained as a lawyer and we get to spend time picking his brain all about the Erica and Tom Girardi scandal. And this episode is a departure in some ways from our typical conversations with who we call Bravo Demics or academics who like to talk Bravo to break down their research for the public. Um, but we do consider David a Bravo Demic because of his legal background. And David is kind of a Bravo celebrity in his own right. He was on Millionaire Matchmaker. He's a close friend with many of the Real Housewives. Uh, you can hear all about um, his crazy stories on his podcast, and um, he delves deeper into it on his Patreon. Anyway, he's just a very kind person. We had a fantastic time talking with him, and we hope that you enjoy the show as much as we enjoyed recording it. So without further ado... Welcome, David Yontef. How are you? We're thank you for having fantastic. Me. Thank you for joining us. We're really excited to be able to chat with you today. Anytime. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat with you guys. So we like to kick off our show by asking our guests to state what their Real Housewives tagline would be. So if you have one, would you be willing to share it? I do have one. Now, this is based on, and I have two actually, first season and second season, because honey, I'm not a one season wonder here. 
first <laughs> first season this is based on the chatter which i don't think should happen and i'm not sure ever will happen but this is you know based on that which resurfaces every few years of like maybe we'll cast a gay man as a housewife so got to put that in context then my first season tagline would be I may not be a wait, hold on. I may not be a girl, but I sure as hell fight like one. <laughs> Great. It's like it works on so many levels. That would be an amazing first season tagline. Right? Like gay woman, the woman is the superior gender, mm-hmm. like they fight better and I could see you better. doing great on Roni, by the way. Listen, I always say this that in my next life, because I counsel a lot of these housewives that come on and they're like I can't I on Monday on my show I don't know when this is coming out I have one of the fired let's not say who yet but I have one of the fired Orange County housewives is on Monday and she's so shocked and I'm like I what what like I could have told you this nine months ago that you were not coming back so I always say that in my next life, I'm coming back and I'm going to start a counseling service for reality TV, like before, during and after. And yeah, if I got on a reality show, I would know just what to do. Like I'm not no ego. I just, I know how it works. So I would know what to do. And I think that's the problem. People don't know what to do either one way or another. They're either too much themselves or they try too hard. You know, you have like the one season wonders. And that's a, every time I talk to a housewife on my show that lasted one season, it's always the same story. Always. They're always like, I came and like, I brought my life. I don't understand what went wrong. And you're like, oh, sweetie, like they don't want your life. No. <laughs> Ouch. And then there's people like Bronwyn and you're like, of course you're fired. Like you went, <laughs> you did too much. So I would truly, no ego. I suck at a lot of things in life, but house if I got on a show I would know what to do that I would I would be there for a while yeah well I think you're on to something I think there can be like you know how there's in treatment or um on other networks where there's um couples therapy you could be like the housewives therapist or or real therapy um and just do like a weekend immersion class master class with some of them when I had Vicki Gumbelson on my show, I literally was counseling her on air about the five stages of grief. And she was like, I'm over it. And I'm like, you're not, you're in like stage three, <laughs> two and a half to three, like just lean into it, Vicki. Like you're not over it. It's okay. You had this job for like a lot of years. It's going to take a minute to get over, but like, I don't believe you, you're not over this. So this is what I'm going to do in my next life. I would just like to be a counselor on the side to housewives. It could still be your current life later, like into the actor's studio, Mm -hmm. but, you know, featuring David Yontef counseling housewives on Bravo. And like what you're doing wrong and like what you're doing wrong during the season. And then when it's over, just how to move on with life and yeah. And what to do to hopefully have it not be over. Yeah. You just watch and you're like, man, like you're making so many mistakes and like, how could you not see this? Yeah. Okay. So that was your first tagline. Hit us with the second season tagline. So then, you know, I do well and I'm invited back for Roni season two. And my second season would be my second season tagline would be if you like what I'm saying, keep listening. If not keep listening. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the two. I like Hilarious. it. Hilarious. I like and it. And then I guess I'll have to think about third season. 
Oh, yes. You, you have to come back. I think that that's probably a strength, though, right? Being able to envision how the narrative arc is going to go and that it is not just a season-long arc, you know? You got to play the long game, you know? I mean, it's year three that you actually make decent money-ish. So it's kind of the goal to get to year three. Yeah. It's a good goal. So I want to kick us off into our questions that we drafted for you. Let's do it. And our first one, I don't know if you've been asked this before, but we are historians. And so we love to hear stories about teachers that influenced you and I only just for the very first time, like a month ago, saw the Kevin Klein movie In and Out. I, I don't know why I'd never seen it. How, you know, so this also inspired this question. So, a teacher or teachers that you have, like, you know, a fondness for, like, who helped you on your way from school, huh? Like someone that left like a big impression. It could be, you know. K through 12, someone in college when you went to law school? I'm trying to think of an answer that would be really, I mean, there's a, it's funny because like there's maybe like one teacher from college, one teacher from law school, maybe one teacher from like elementary school and just, you know, like dance to the beat of your own drummer. Like that's kind of like what I took away from certain teachers. Yeah. That was kind of the overarching thing. In general, I didn't take much from my teachers. Like I was a good student, but I didn't really take much from the teachers. As awful as that sounds, it was more just like, I'm going to go home and just study for the damn test. I mean, at some points in early in school, I never even paid attention. I was like, what's the point? Like, I'm just going to study. Like, so then at some point I realized if you pay attention, the studying is easier. <laughs> but my mind wandered in a lot of classes. Like, I have no interest in this and I'll just figure it out when I study for it. I have to be honest, my mind, mind wandered a lot. And yeah. one of the teachers that I respect to this day actually got in my face and said, what's going on with you this, this, this semester? This was in college. What's going on with you this semester? You're looking at the clock. You're looking at the this. And you're looking at that. Huh? <laughs> so I completely hear you on that. So what about teachers like teachers of life? Is there anyone who has left a big impression in terms of outside of the classroom, like your life teacher? If there's someone you could look at for a master class, um, besides yourself, of course. Um, is there anyone who's left that kind of impression? Someone that I know personally? Yes. Like maybe a mentor? Who do I consider a mentor in life? That is a really good question. I feel like there's, I mean, well, I guess I kind of have a mentor for this show. Someone who never wants to be mentioned who's in the entertainment business really high up like not famous because they're behind the scenes but you know they just kind of i don't know i'm really kind of one of those headstrong people where you know even though bethany frankel thinks she knows everything we we, we don't know everything but this person kind of shaped my show as 
the wrong is a gross overstatement, but has definitely helped me. And just like, I've learned a lot about this business from this person and like doing this show for almost two years and working with this person in an unofficial capacity, like has changed me. Like I've changed by doing this, my podcast behind the velvet rope, interviewing people five days a week. I changed in the sense that I have a much different relationship to people in the public eye. Mm. Like I don't really get starstruck. Yes, there are a few ex rare exceptions, but like I have a different relationship to people that like are on TV, people that are quote unquote famous. I'm, I don't even know if jaded is the right word, but like this mentor, like in from doing my show, like I have just such a realistic view of the way that the entertainment business works. It's just, and like, that's the thing. It's like, you have, I have these people on my show and it's just, again, no ego. My show is really not about me. It's about them because it's an interview show, but it's really like at the end of the day, I know more about the business than them. And some of them have been on TV for like 10 years. So that it was always shocking to me. I guess it's kind of nice in a way it shows that they're real people, but I'm like, how could you, how could you be shocked you're fired? How could you not understand that? Like after housewives, like, no, you're not going to be the next, you know, late night talk show host. And like, it's just like, I don't know. So this person was, that's a long answer, but this person has kind of helped me through this show, like current day and just understanding the business aspect of all of this. Well, big, big ups to that person who will remain nameless. Um, I, I want to push further, but I know we're on limited time. So if we have time at the end, I want to come back and ask if, if there was a housewife hack, a housewife hack, or I'm asking it right now, there was any kind of ha housewife person or a housewife hack who who you could learn from. Is there anyone, or do you, you think you have like, more to teach them? Like what? Like anyone on the housewife? Mm -hmm. Like, do you like how the grand dame does certain things, or you like this particular read? You know who I think does it well. I have said this on my show. I just recently interviewed her. I listen. I think there's a couple of housewives that do it really well. I personally think Luann Deliceps does it well. I do because I, I've said this and I said this to her when she was on my show recently, you don't, you, you, you get a salary and your salary is to show up and do what you have to do, which is cause drama or be humorous and have a presence and get into it. And you don't, I mean, half the show now is off air. It's off air. It, it, the, the interesting stuff that gets in the press. I mean, my show gets a lot of press. And so I learned, I also know how to get press now too, which is something I've learned, but the stuff that gets picked up is this one said that to this one on Twitter. It's what's going on on Instagram. So, I mean, half the show is in real time during the season and you don't get paid. The salary is not more for hating someone on Twitter. And like, that's why like Luann, you never see Luann dragging people on Twitter. If someone says something about her, she doesn't really clap back. She'll bring it on the show. You get in her face. She'll do what she has to like, that's the job. So if you're making $900,000 a year, which I mean, I imagine that's probably around what the countess is making now. Why would you bring that? 
everybody does. They all, it's like, that's look at last season on Roni between Elise and Ramona. Like, so that is someone to learn from. Like you show off, you keep it lighthearted. Luann keeps it pretty lighthearted. Yes. She fell in a bush. She had like, she's also <laughs> one of these people like Teresa there. It's very rare. I mean, the producers go to you every season on most of the franchises and say like, what do you have going on in your life? They do it in Jersey. They do it in Dallas, Potomac. And then they're like, okay, we're going to make that a storyline. Then you have like Teresa and Luann, like they don't need to do that. Like really. I mean, Luann really now doesn't have as much of a storyline, but I mean, it helps that she had Tom and then a divorce and a cabaret and alcohol. And I mean, so Luann in arrest, like she had real things going on in life that make her like interesting, but she brings it now and she keeps it lighthearted and she contributes, but she doesn't, you never see her getting nasty on social media. That's the way to do it. I've always said this, like, you could say whatever you want about me. Like if I were on the show, as long as that freaking check cleared and I was like, this season's locked. I don't believe that you get invited back next season for anything that happens on Instagram, Twitter. If papers are writing about you, I don't believe it. I mean, look, Bronwyn is written about all the time and she was fired. So I believe you are invited on the show or fired because of what you do on the show. And so why would you want to have all this other drama in your life when your salary is the same? So Luann, I think she does it right. Sounds like you're also uh, saying that she's found this work-life balance, right? Understanding that the show is what she gets paid for, but there's no point in creating chaos on her off months. Yeah. And yeah, you know, sometimes people say bad things about her, but not really. You don't really see or hear her getting down in the dirt. And so I think she just gets that. Like when the show is not filming, right, why would I engage? Who cares if someone says something bad about you? For $900,000, you let them say something bad. Why would you respond? It's going to go back and forth. And you look at all these other people, and they do look. Beverly Hills is doing it now. So I think you just, who cares? And then if you're not going to clap back, it goes away. And on that note, Luann is now in that rare category. She's no, she's not Bethany Frankel. But like Luann has now, she has a, like, this could end for her tomorrow. I don't know what Sonia is going to do when this ends. I don't know what Ramona is going to do. Yeah, Ramona's a real estate agent now. Okay, well, that's great. Let's see how many deals you close. Me too. Luann's cabaret <laughs> is like a real thing. I mean, I've seen it not just in New York. I've seen it all over the world. Like, she sells out real theaters. I assume that will continue after COVID. And the theaters, no, it's not like Madison Square Garden, but it's they're legitimate theaters that are packed. That is a real, I've made this much money tonight and now we're on a bus or a plane or wherever for in the next, I mean, Luann, so Luann could be fired. She has like a real career on top of that, which how that's really hard to have a side gig that will go on after the show. She has it. Yeah. So like, if you want to just factor that and I'm like, you've done it. Oh yeah. Yes. A lot of it's luck. I even think Bethany was lucky with a lot of things. I mean, she's brilliant, but like luck is part of it. So this cabaret, which started as a little thing that Luann did in a small theater has grown into something that let it end for you because you have a way of making money now. I mean, you look at Sonia and Ramona, I don't know what they're going to do. Ramona is going to be petitioning for the Real Housewives of the nursing home. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, although 
you got to give it to her. Girlfriend looks fucking good. Oh, you, I mean, those arms, those arms. I mean, I, I, I think about this afterlife of Housewives and Dorinda. Really, I would have been in favor of the Dorinda aerobics lifestyle uh, brand. But I think that Casey, we tried to register for one or it was canceled. She was doing a, a pride uh, door aerobics. Where and do you guys live? We Orange live County. in Orange County, California. Oh, she was doing it out there too? It was a Zoom link because of COVID. And um, I think it was only like 17 people had signed up. And so it was canceled. And I was just shocked that not more people wanted to do door aerobics. I am shocked as well. I mean, she did that in person here for a minute, but it was right kind of when COVID was starting. But I would have thought that more people would have wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah, who wouldn't? That was the hot hot option at BravoCon. I think that they couldn't even get any other people in the room. It was, I didn't choose that option at whatever time that was, but that I had a friend that went to that. I did something else and it was packed. Andy was there. So I don't know if that's just COVID and if it was in person, people want to see Dorinda, but then you lose that momentum, like with COVID, like I think Luann shows, cause she's starting to go back out. I think Luann shows will be just as successful, but I don't necessarily know. I don't know. Right. But and I mean, Dorinda's not even on the show. So that's certainly not going to help. Right. And, and Luann's been, doing it on the show like she has momentum with her cabaret from the show it's been a plot line whereas Dorinda I didn't really see the thread between her as a character on Housewives and Dorobics yeah it's just kind of like it was that one episode which I was at that Dorobics thing oh yeah she did do that on the show but right but that wasn't you know but yes I, I see what you're saying it wasn't like yeah, a touring no. thing. I mean, she's writing a book now. I don't know at what stage it is, but it really, it's a real book. It's coming out. It's the same people that published Margaret's book. But I mean, there's a, listen, there's a lot of books from Housewives that don't sell well. So you do one book. I don't know what happens after that. Like Lala Kent's book sold really well. But then there's a lot of books that just don't sell well. I don't think you're going to get another book. And so I don't know what you do really Yeah. after that. Can we back up and hear about your origins getting into reality television as a fan, as somebody who participated in reality television? Like what is this reality TV journey for you? I mean, so I've reinvented myself career-wise a gazillion times. Like I went to law school. So I graduated. I was a CPA. I practiced corporate tax law. I am a closet smart person is what I tell people. I just want to talk about nothing intelligent and smart. Makes my head hurt. But I did practice corporate tax law for like four years. And then I fell into recruiting and HR. And then I had my own staffing company and then I sold it. So that was success, which is why I have business. Like I always say that I think that success in business is smart and hard work, but I think a good 25% is just luck. Mm-hmm. My timing of having my business was luck. And people are like, that takes away from, you know, yes, I worked 23 hours a day and slept for 45 minutes, but the timing, I could never have a business as successful as I did then. It just was the timing of the world and everything. But then I went in and ran HR departments at a bunch of companies, including Martha Stewart. Yes, I worked 
reported to Martha Stewart, that experience is probably just how you feel it is. Knowing Martha, I have nothing against her, but you know, she is not the most easiest person to work for. Um, which I get it. If I were Martha Stewart, I'm not so sure how easy I would be either. And then I worked at a bunch of companies that kept merging. And when my last advertising agency merged, having sold a company, I was like, I have the ability to just take some time off now and figure out what I want to do with my life. Cause I'm over this again, I'm over something. And I've always loved reality TV, like right from the beginning, the Hills, the simple life survivor, big brother, the real world. So, and I also love Desperate Housewives and I loved the OC with Misha Barton. So, I mean, anything pop culture, I love 90210, Melrose Place, the original Hills and Laguna. So when this show, the Orange County Housewives was reality and they're like, it's part Desperate Housewives, it's part, you know, Orange County because of Misha Barton. I'm like, I was already watching Bravo, like Queer Eye and all these other shows. And then it was just like love at first sight. So I was always into reality TV. And then fast forward, you know, the world we live in, like when I did decide to not go back to work after my last company merged and be like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but I sold the company. So I guess I'm okay for the moment. I just started hanging out with some of these people on reality TV. I'm like, it's not that hard. I mean, like, listen, you're in Orange County. If you wanted to become friends with Bronwyn or Peggy Sulahian or Gina, you can go down the list and you have a choice of lots of people there. And eventually, if you showed up at an, it's, listen, it, it's organic. Like, it's not like I'm really good friends with Margaret Joseph from New Jersey. That is organic. It's not like I said, move over, Teresa, move over, Melissa, I choose Margaret. It's just, it's a real friendship. You can't just say you're my friend. But if you show up at enough places and you put yourself in enough situations and you meet these people, this isn't Julia Roberts and like Drew Barrymore and Brad Pitt. Like, these people are accessible. Like, they will remember you text you back and so it's just I started becoming friends with these people living in New York City same thing it was easy we have Jersey Shore we have Summer House you know New York House so there were a bunch of shows here and I'm like I'm not really I'm not one to sit on the sidelines so I'm like I personally don't understand like the recap podcasts that just recap I'm like I, I'm gonna put myself in the actual mix and just meet these people. Like, I don't want to talk about these people. I want to actually be there. So that's kind of how it started as a fan. And then like, I became friends with a bunch of them. And Margaret's one of the people I would always be like, this is a business. Like you have to think of something. And I was, I spent like a year being like, okay, well, I don't know what it is, but it is. And I always related to this. Like, it is like being born into celebrity parents. Like, rumor willis like at, at some point you know you don't it's your life you don't know it's any different but at some point you realize my life is not like others like this is like so to me i would have these situations of like not when it's being filmed like oh i'm, I'm with luann at the bar i'm with you know she doesn't drink now but like i'm with margaret and i'd be like these things which i've now take for granted because this is my life like i'm not so excited like oh my god margaret josephs i mean i would be that way if like madonna walked in the room but i'm like this has now become my life that i'm not so excited about all these interactions love these people as friends but i'm like if i was an outsider and i said like oh i slept at you know sonia's last night well then people go crazy and i'm like oh so it just i'm like maybe a podcast is the right format for these stories. So when I started my podcast, that is the name, that's where the name behind the Velvet Rope comes from. It's like, let me take you and give you an inside 
view of what happens when they're not filming because that's really where so my pilot episode was about me in florida i was at a dinner with rick leventhal kelly dodd dolores catania and ramona it was like an event they were all there i was there dolores is like let's go to dinner afterwards and this dinner is exactly what you think ramona sat down the branzino was half eaten before any of us even opened a menu she was <laughs> on her second martini asking everyone where they were sitting, screaming at the wait staff. Dolores was like, I'm not sitting next to her. Like Kelly and Rick were making it. It was like, I'm like, this is, this is better than what happens on the show. So that was my pilot episode. And I'm like, I don't know if this is interesting. I mean, am, am I this? And people were like, oh my God, this didn't happen. I'm like, this is exactly how it happened. That's golden. So that's golden. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's why I, I really started my show one day a week, an interview, one day a week, a little story. My stories are now on my paid Patreon account. It's not a shameless plug, but it's more like it's just morphed into now a five day a week interview show. I always tell people when I go on other podcasts, I'm like, anyone listening to this that's like annoyed by me, you should still tune into my show because it's not about me. I don't talk. It's literally me asking questions. I've become a journalist. It's about me getting the facts from the guest. And I, I mean, people that listen say that I have a disarming way. I mean, I've even asked people questions that will say to me, I don't know why I'm going to answer this, but you just seem so nice. And I'm like, okay. so I think, listen, I do think having my law degree, it plays into this. Like I know how to dance around with you and back you into a corner. And I'm like, you know, like when Margaret was on my podcast, like she's a really good friend. She came on, blah, blah. I mean, we're on, and I'm like, well, this is what Teresa said. And this is what you said. I'm like, so I have to ask, like, did you start this rumor about, about Jackie? And she was like, what? I'm like, did you, I'm like, wait, what do you mean? Why? I'm like, did you start this rumor? So my questions are direct and I will go there and there's no forum. I'm like, I am asking what people really are saying and want to know the answers to period. And then when it was over, Margaret was like, oh my God. And I was like, honey, just cause we're friends. Like this is, this is a real show here. This isn't like, let's talk about like doing each other's hair tomorrow night. Like that's, I really, it's become a professional interview and it's not about me. I'm like, I need to get these questions answered for the listeners. So it's become like this new skill that I just developed over doing it. I think it would be cool if um, you could maybe segue into talking about your um, interviews. Because uh, you're talking a lot about how your training in previous uh, lives, career lives has really translated into David Yontef, uh, interviewer. And this is a skill that historians work so hard to perfect and other scholars, right? Because we, we sit down and we interview people about their past and their memories and we try mm -hmm. to write history out of that and really needing to tap in to... Um, people authentically, right, to peel back all these layers and and write about what was going on and what was happening. And so mm -hmm. I feel like you bring a really unique skill set into this. And so I was wondering if you could tell us more about your process for pulling so much out of people. Um, and is part of this your research process or your question writing process um how do you bring all of this together to get the show that you have 
Those are all good questions. I mean, I think it's like everything. Like when I, so I do a show for a bunch of different reasons. Like, so it's five days a week now and it is a business. I think of it as a business first and foremost. I feel that that is one of the things that I've realized over the course of doing this for almost two years. I like the producer. I like the executive producer aspect of my job. I mean, I hope to one day be somewhere where someone is doing my questions for me. That would be great. That is not the case. I do it myself. So I think, well, first of all, when I look back at my early interviews, I mean, everyone could say this, I shudder. I mean, they're fine, but I shudder. So I just, I guess the way, the way my mind works, I guess, is that is the legal part of it. It's very analytical and that like, right, when I'm doing the research, it, it wasn't really planned, but it really, my show has become like, we're going to start at the beginning. Like, where are you from? Some shows are, there's some, a lot of people are on second, third, fourth time. So I don't really go back. It's more like you can go listen to the five times this person was on. But if you're on the first time, unless it's, there's so much to cover, I really want to start with like, what type of child were you? Like, things like that. Like, I really want to do like a 360. And yeah, like we're building up to now that you're on Housewives or the Hills or whatever it is. That's just the way my mind. So when I'm doing my research, it's very methodical of like, how are we now? And listen, you skip over details. I don't need to know every detail. And sometimes you talk for, sometimes I'll say, so you were born here. Cause like, I'm like, we don't have time to, for me to ask you. I'll be like, so you're not from New York. You were born here and this, and here you are in New York. So, but my mind is very like, how do we get to you being on housewives if we i mean it was on for 10 years before you joined so i don't want to start really with the present i want to start with like how did we get here like who are you that's just how my mind works and then like you know if you're off housewives now like i want to talk about the first you being on and like, like i really want like the what you're thinking like what was it like when you're on it what, what was it? so i never realized as i was doing this that that was like not your typical interview, if that makes sense. Well, that's yeah, some questions, right? It's very well, investigative some... journalism, right? Um, like Leon Dash from the, the Washington Post, he thinks you need to go to the interiority. And I think it's a great way to draw things out. And I'm sorry for cutting you off um, because you are our esteemed guest, but I just have to know now, David. Now, where are you from? And how did we get from where you were young, David, to being on Millionaire Matchmaker? Take us through I'll that. You, I'll take you through that. And the other thing I was just going to say is I think that by doing that, I think that's how I get, because people that make comments on my reviews and, and DM me, it's, listen, I mean, these people are not related. The one thing I hear all the time from listeners is like, I have a, like, it's almost like I'm a wolf in sheep's clothing. That is what people say. I see I'm it. Like, I see that it. That is, yeah, I, I, I see it. And it wasn't, that wasn't purposeful. I mean, that is how I am as a person. You know, I'm from New York. Listen, I start at a 10 out of 10 with everybody in the world. Like, you can't insult me. You can say nasty things about it. That doesn't bother me. Like, you want to draw a line down the middle and you're on this side and I'm on this side and we're now opposite and you're coming at me. I'm from New York and I'm a lawyer and I'm a gay man, so I will destroy you. Short of that, you could call me anything. You can say anything about me. It all rolls off my back. So I think I have a way where like when a guest comes on, like 
I'm, it's, you're the guest. It is, it is about you. And so I think it's a business. So I interview people I don't even like or know. I've had like MTV call me, blah, blah, blah. I don't watch Flora Bama Shore. Okay, fine. That person is on brand for my audience. So I will interview them. I don't know who the hell this is, but I feel like I take, like, I am truly interested in people's stories. So I think that maybe comes across. And I think then when you get to those questions of like, I know I just asked you about your childhood, but you know, when you were like smashing her head against the wall, I think people are just like, oh, he's nice. I mean, there's still a microphone in front of you. So I don't know what you think, but I think that's how I, it, it, I have a skill of like getting, I, I will ask you the questions. And so I've gotten more comfortable with like the difficult questions and we have to go there. And so I do interview like that, but I have to say, because my show has gotten so much press and it's always in the press, I now have learned not a hundred percent because you can never tell, but I, not every show either, but I do a majority of my shows for press. So what I mean by that is like, it is an authentic conversation, it, but I know certain parts in the interview when this could be a headline. It's not about my ego. I don't see my name in, but like, Yes, I want to be in People Magazine for the hundredth time because if that leads to another click, so I know certain questions and how to ask certain questions that no matter how you answer this, 99%, this will be a thing that will go all over the world. So, yes, yeah, so someone once asked me, like, are you on edge? I mean, I'm very relaxed, but like, yes, at, there's at some point in each interview where I could say, now it doesn't matter. I still have my questions because there's an audience, but now it doesn't matter. I have like six headlines or four headlines or three that no matter what you say, this show can be in the press and this will. So it's like a weird, which that's a skill. I mean, not again, there's no ego. I suck at a lot of things, but that's a skill in the sense that like, you know what to ask. And it's not every show. There's certain people where you're like, they're like with Isaac Mizrahi. I'm like, he doesn't want press. Like there's just certain people where you don't bring it there. And it's not all bad press. I once had on Tom Felicia from Queer Eye, one of the original Queer Eye. And he told this story about like J-Lo and a Christmas tree. And he was putting up her Christmas tree because he was designer her house and they didn't have enough ornaments. And the next thing he knows, he heard a scream and she was in her juicy couture and the Christmas tree was tumbling <laughs> and it fell on J-Lo. And this to me was like, it, if this happened like, a year ago, I would have been like, oh, whatever. But I just knew Jennifer Lopez, shut up, David, and stay on this. So I had like 12 other questions about the little details. And sure enough, this Christmas tree falling on JLo, which is nothing. That's, there's, <laughs> what is that? It's nothing. It went all over the world in every paper and like Tom Felicia's PR and him and everyone. And I sent it to JLo's people and they were just like, this is all like everyone was thrilled. And I'm like, yeah, this is like, I just knew Jennifer Lopez, this could be something. And that's kind of a funny story. Just, but I didn't mean to skirt your question of where I'm from. No, no, you answered like, it. That's just like the other aspect of my interviews that like, I do have this press angle. So it's like, it's like coming in from the side of like, we have to here. Okay. I'm not done. I'm not done because now you have me somewhere else. Um, that's fine. David. We yeah. know that TMZ blew up when they um, covered the Michael Jackson death. We know that that's the one that put them on the map. Because you're talking about press, what do you think is your big um, behind the velvet rope kind of moment where you could feel the traction and people were like, oh, I'm, I'm definitely tuning in five days a week? 
Do you have one of those moments? I feel like, well, there's different moments. There really are. Like, I think one of the first moments was way back. I mean, there's been bigger stories, but one of the first moments was Tamara Judge. When Tamara was on my show, she talked for so long. It was only like six months into it. And she just said so many different things. And that was my first experience with like, oh, one interview can be multiple stories. So there's multiple headlines about Heather Dubrow being fired, which is not exactly what Tamara said, which is a whole nother thing about the press and headlines and all that, but which I have no control over. But that was a whole thing. And then it went away and it was a week later. And then all of a sudden, Tamara Judge is back from a whole different headline. She said something. So it was like, that's when I'm like, oh, you can get one interview and get like three different stories. And that was kind of the like a big step forward. And then like right after that or whatever was Charlie Burnett, which is when I learned don't ever judge a book by its cover from Vanderpump Rules. She was out of the five movies, the smallest. No one even, I didn't even want to interview her. I was like, I will, cause she's on the show, but I don't even care. She painted this whole picture. It was right after Stassi and Kristen got fired. And she painted this whole picture of mean girls. And uh, literally I had like a 40 minute interview with Charlie. I'm like, we'll talk about that. You don't eat pasta. I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. And then I'm like, I heard this and I was like, wait, so you were filming and the scene was over and you were standing next to Stassi and just like one human being to another, you were speaking to her and Stassi basically told you, don't ever speak to me. Like she was above that. You weren't allowed to speak to Stassi. Well, oh, wait, you also weren't allowed to speak to Kristen. And so like it became a thing and I'm just like, oh shit. So then that became a thing. So it was like, those were some initial things. And then eventually I learned how I almost didn't know. I mean, I kind of knew at this point, but I, those were like certain things. They weren't the biggest stories ever, but those were like two moments of like, we've taken huge step forward. We've taken a huge step forward here. Those are kind of the two. I think Tamara, like the first two that kind of like went, took us from here to here. And then we didn't ride on that. Like there was a lot of other things that were much bigger, but those were kind of the early two that was like, this was a step forward and put us on the map. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for uh, privileging my, uh, no, you know, I mean, these are good questions. Indulgence. I had to think about the word. <laughs> so I have one more question before we play a game with you. And I really want to tap in to your history as a tax lawyer. And I want to know on the scale of Teresa Judice to Jen Shaw, where are you placing Erica Girardi in her current legal? Allegedly. Alleged, right? Because, you know, hasn't gone to trial yet. There's still a lot of stuff coming out almost every day. But you have uh, a training, a skill set that most people looking at Housewives news don't really have and so what would you I guess suggest like where do you see this going in your own in your own kind of expertise well also on my patreon I've had on which is I'm going to continue I have on some legal experts like from time to time which I'm going to continue you know one is a federal defense so federal like Jen Shaw like just 
federal is a whole different ball game. And another is like an LA prosecutor. Neither of them do that anymore. So they're too good. Like they're related. One is federal and one is, you know, so I get their opinions a lot. I mean, my thing is that like, I don't know. And uh, in the beginning, I was convinced that Erica and Tom were not that she knew, but just that the whole divorce was fake. And he was like, I'm going to fall on a sword for you. This is a very optimistic view of the world. Like that he, this is his final act of love. Like she came home and Tiago came running and she petted him and she went into the living room with that long table and the light, she turned on the lights and sitting there in the dark with a bottle of wine drank was Tom Girardi. And she's like, what are you doing? This is, this is my narrative in the beginning. And he's like, sit down. And she's like, what are, what you're scaring me? And she sat down and he told her everything. And he's like, you're going to pack your bags. And in two days, you're going to go on E and announce that you're leaving me, blah, 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 blah. So in my, the beginning, I was convinced that this whole thing was like, this is what I've done. And I'm 80 something. And you can never, you will never speak to me again. There's no burner phone it's over. We will never have a conversation again. And you have to get nasty in the media. That is what I was convinced in the beginning, which I'm still not sure that, that that's not what happened. You painted a very lovely picture. I want to believe that now. I was going to say, at what point in your story does Erica go into their home chapel and like fall to her knees before she leaves the house? (laughs) I mean, right. I mean, which if that's the case, then that is his final act of love. You know, I mean, listen, she always used to say like, I don't have a prenup because it wouldn't matter. Like this is the most brilliant lawyer around and he is, he's maniacal and he's brilliant. So I'm still not sure that didn't happen. I have two very, very well-known lawyers, like very well-known. You would know their names by coming up on my main show not just about this, but they both are in LA and they both know Tom. So they weigh in on this. I mean, the only reason why I think maybe she didn't know is that like, it's not like your husband made $75,000 and you were living a certain lifestyle. Like there was so much money and it was there in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So What's the difference between five private jets, one private jet, Fendi, designer? Like, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think if you knew your husband went to work and the salary was like $102,000 and you were living a certain lifestyle, you'd be like, this makes no sense. I just think there was so much money from the beginning and you hear Aaron Brockovich and like, you don't get into the details, right? Like you just hear certain things and what like how would you know in that sense do you know what i mean like if your husband was home every day and never went to an office and worked that would be strange but like how would you know that's the only thing it's like there was such wealth in the beginning that's why i frame it like is she Teresa guilty where she signed her name on some stuff not really asking questions or knowing or is she jen shaw calling people (laughs) and getting caught but then And then like the other thing is like, everyone says like, right, Erica is smart. She's smart and she's cold and she's calculated. So right. Is Erica Jane going to sign a piece of paper? Like if this is your mentor, 
that you've learned everything from, like, right? Wouldn't Tom say day two, here's lesson two, don't ever sign something, like, ever? Well, I think... I mean, right? Because she says, I mean, she's learned everything from him. And I think that is why she's cold and reserved. I think she's, I think they were a really good match. Like, I don't think it was just money. I really think that they were the right match for each other. Agreed. Agreed. I I was going to jump in and then I realized, wait, you actually are a tax attorney. So you actually (laughs) know exactly what you're talking about. So let me not. Good though. Like now that like the creditors are like, I mean, I saw that last, I didn't read it, but like the victims can now start coming out. Mm -hmm. But like, this is the part that I can't get around with her. Like how much she knew, yada, yada, yada. To me, it seems sort of irrelevant when after she, like everything is in the news, Hulu has a documentary or ABC puts out their documentary documentary on her. And it's like, she's still going out with, $100,000 $100,000 rings on her fingers. Like, knowing that this is blood money and she's still flaunting it. Right. I mean, that's the that's the thing. So, like, whether you knew or not, I don't know. Does it even matter? I mean, I guess it matters criminally if you're going to go and suffer criminal charges. Yeah. But I think as far as whether you owe the money back and you're entitled to it, I'm not so sure that that really matters. I mean, mm. you're still married. So the divorce, it's like, yeah. The, the lawyers I had on both said the same thing, though, that 90% of the time when it's white-collar crime, people truly, like even like a gen shot, they both said, like, it's not help me I'm guilty, get me out of this. It's more like I, I won't plead guilty because I'm not. They truly think, like, she was like, Jen Shaw could truly think, like, what I did was brilliant. Like, I'm brilliant. If everyone would have done this, if they came to this realization, like, I came up with, like, a loophole. And I'm just a brilliant businesswoman. I'm not saying that's the case, but they both were, like, in general with white-collar crime, that is the case up until, like, it doesn't matter what you think anymore. You have to listen to me. Like you have 25 minutes before you get back in front of a judge and you will be going to jail unless you plead guilty. And so now you have to plead guilty. And it's like the final hour when someone is like, okay, now I'm guilty. Because like, I I realize it's either 12 years or or one year. So I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like that's another thing. Like if Erica, whatever she did, does she truly think that she's innocent? You know? And more to that, and I don't want to, like, keep belaboring this point so that we can get to the Bonco party, but, like, I don't know. If I one day found out that Casey was, like, effectively, like, stealing from plane crash victims and I'm wearing millions of dollars of jewelry all over my body, (laughs) I don't know. I might take it off. I might not be seen in public wearing it. Just, like, from a moral perspective, forgetting, like, the criminality of it and whether or not she'll be convicted, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I just feel like if you know something was taken from people who are truly suffering, it it kind of behooves her to, I don't know. Right. Like, at least, and I mean, okay, like, I'm sure there's lawyers saying, you know, don't offer anything because that looks guilty Mm -hmm. but at the same time i'm sure the lawyers are also saying to stay off social so she's not listening to them and i'm sure the lawyer for her and jen said a stay off social and b 
walk in tomorrow and don't show up for filming and, and resign. I'm sure those were the first two things. Listen, when Erica's lawyers resigned and quit, like lawyers don't quit because they think they're going to lose. I mean, they still make money. You can, you can lose a case. You still make millions. Mm -hmm. I mean, you quit because your client is just not controllable. You're like, here are the 13 things you should do. And you hired us and you're doing zero of the 13. We're, we're done. Like, I can't help you. Like, you're not taking my advice at all. I mean, it's up to the person what to do. But like, if you're going to say, okay, I'll do seven things and the other three I won't do. Okay. But I mean, for her lawyers to resign and yes, I know they're back on now. She must have not been doing anything that they told her to do stay home tonight and don't wear the ring or fuck you i'm wearing it like <laughs> so she must have just been like i'm doing none of what you're telling me to do because why else would they quit they'll gladly take your money and lose your case i mean you know because it's still winning it's like you should have paid you know 10 million you're gonna pay four that's that's a win we still helped you you don't quit just because you're gonna have a bad case you because you get something you'll it'll settle but like she must have just been like doing nothing that they told her, literally. Someone who could really use the Countess's social media approach. Right. I mean, <laughs> and like, well, now you saw she was dropped by Fenty, like Rihanna's mm -hmm. line. And I mean, Jen Shaw is a whole nother case. I mean, I don't, she's, I. Can we, can see. we just for a minute? Jessica hails from Salt Lake City. So I was, she. I went to. She's not going to be in jail for some period of time. I went to college with Jen and Sharif, right? And I, my claim to fame is I think that I was in uh, a class with them. I think. I can't, I can't confirm it. But what is your thoughts about Jen Shaw? She's going to do some jail time. I don't see how she won't, right? I mean, you know, innocent until proven guilty. So I guess if you're really innocent, but if you're anything less than innocent, I don't see how this is like you're not innocent and the punishment is home arrest or pay this. I don't see how this comes with anything less than some jail time. Do you think Sharif is going down as well? He's another one. He's acting so weird. Like, just nothing from him. Okay. They're both acting so weird. Speaking of acting weird, okay. Martha Stewart, pre and post insider trading, has always seemed like two different people to me. And I, I don't, you might have, like, the most interesting perspective on this of anybody because of how closely you worked with her and so I'm wondering if you have insight into the authentic Martha versus Martha when cameras are on well I only worked there after she was out of jail let's just put that out there you know I think that you know I think everyone could tell that Martha has somewhat of a dark side to her you know like in the sense of yeah she's like perfect in front of the cameras and she's just you know listen martha's difficult she's difficult i really don't have an axe to grind with her you know like she's i mean who would it you know like she runs a tight ship but she's good at what she does do you think there's an evolution between Martha post 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 prison and and this Martha we see now uh, smoking with Snoop Dogg and doing a cooking show? Or do you think it's all in the same kind of just evolving with the times? I think Martha's brilliant and I think it's a brilliant partnership. I agree. Like, I don't know if it was her idea 
for Snoop's idea, but it is helping both of them. I mean, I, I do think that Martha is hip to the ways of the world. I mean, she's a brand. Old, I mean, she's she is yeah, the like brand as ambassador. Old school as she is, like she gets, like she gets her brand. You know, so the whole thing with Snoop is kind of on brand because it's off brand, which right. makes it like on brand because she's still Martha. She's still very Martha there, you know. So. OK. You have such an insight into marketing, reality television, these big personalities that people consume. And so I'm wondering if you were. David Yontef, visiting professor, teaching a history of reality TV. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? It'd be so exciting. I would be in the front row. Um, I'll take that job. Could I be your teaching assistant? (laughs) I will literally accept the position. What would you be teaching? Like, what are these big reality TV moments that you would be like, "This this is the test. Like, these are the moments you will leave my class never forgetting for the rest of your life. What, just as far as, like, what to do? Or, like, the the reality TV moments that changed reality TV. Or, like, like what are these big, um, I guess, turning points or, you know, these iconic moments? Well, I think that, you know, early on, I mean, I think we have to just go back to the fact that the real world New York existed. That's the first Agreed. thing. Agreed. I mean, that was, and I've had, I had Eric and I had Andre from the real world New York on the originals. That is just a huge thing. Then I think the Hills, the ending of the Hills where we take something away and it's like, you said this was fake for how many years and we're in on the joke. I mean, that's a whole like, is it real? That was the huge moment. And then I think, like, the Osbournes are, like, the first time that we had, like, this is not unknown people. David is This is, people. like, actual celebrities that now will go on reality TV. And, I mean, Ozzy Osbourne is Ozzy Osbourne, like, loaded. This isn't, like, a D-list celebrity who, like, you know, give him $200,000. Like, Ozzy does not need $200,000. And, you know, Sharon gets paid and Kelly gets paid. So that was a huge thing. And showing like an Ozzy and then like think of what happened after that. Anna Nicole and this and like everything, the girls next door, everything, every celebrity, like the Kardashians exist because of the Osborne. So like that was a big moment. And I do think like then you go into like housewives like, okay, yeah, like Teresa flipping a table is like a big thing. And that's when it's like the stakes are high. And this is like maybe the first like iconic moment. I mean, the Kardashians that, that you can go on a reality show and literally become like the richest family, the royal family of America. We have, we have a lot to cover. I think it needs to be a year long class. We're on the quarter system. So yeah, you'll have three I mean, quarters, three 10-week quarters. You can fill them. And let's not forget, like, Survivor and the fact that there's all these reality show competitions. And, yeah, there's some that existed before Survivor, 
but none that, you know, Survivor changed the game. We have every reality show competition really because of Survivor. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's kind of a big thing. Yeah, it was a big thing. One unit you could do that I would be fascinated by at least would be um, just on the rise of celebrity sex tapes turned into reality TV, right? So you have like the Kardashians, but there are a number Pam and Tommy, Pam and Paris. Tommy. Didn't Paris Hilton or, have one? Yeah, or or rape, uh, yeah, and then she got Simple Life. So like, there is this dynamic where it's like, we've seen you naked, we've seen you have sex. Now let's see you have a fight with somebody. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, say what you want. It's so embarrassing, but like, I mean, look at him. You know, like, who wouldn't just do it? I think that you could also do over it. Sorry, David. I am so sorry. I am on no, my best behavior. Right. Normally, I'd be talking all the way over you. No, I was going to say, and like, just bite the bullet and have a sex tape. Like, just hold your head down. And <laughs> I mean, who would say no if someone said you will be the next Kim Kardashian, period? No one would say no. No one would say no. So what if no you did a unit, David? What if you did a unit on the um, kind of the talk back, this social media flutter? I don't know if you saw... Um, Wendy Williams mentioned Tabitha Brown, the, the, the chef, the cooking guru, and Tabitha Brown came back on social media and in her best Southern way, her God bless you way, just ripped Wendy to shreds. Like, can you, can you do a unit on, on something like that? We're going to do a whole unit on social media. And what I love to talk about on my show is like, why? Like when you are like, it's not for the money. Yes, yes, you want the money, but I am telling you 90, I will say 98%, let's take famous people out of it, but 98% of the people do it for the fame, not the money. Housewives, you make $60,000 for your first year. And if you wanna factor in clothes and hair and all that, it costs you probably like 100,000 to be on the first. So you are losing money the first year of the housewife. So nobody's doing it for the money. Really, it's for the fame. So we're also going to do a whole motivational several weeks of like money versus fame and why are people addicted to fame and and that is the motivation and why. Can I ask you if you what think what happens when it's gone? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. 
And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do you think that Erica Girardi tipped the scales in this way? Because I feel like when I watch back seasons of really any of the franchises, I I see like a pre and post Erica where, you know, Orange County outfits weren't really still aren't that same super expensive designer, you know, like it was a lot cheaper, so to, so to speak. It's very beach culture. And I feel like when Erica stepped in the fashion on every franchise just went crazy in in ways that we really hadn't seen to that extent and so do you think two things do you think that where did this change happen where everybody had to have a personal glam squad and the second is how much do you think social media has augmented reality television what do you mean in terms of like Helps or hurt? Um, I feel like it might help. I feel like it might hurt. There's this aspect of everything's happening on social all the time. And so I think as fans, we're also getting so much more about what a season is going to be before the season ever comes. So it allows, I think, time for people to make, um, you know, I'm on this team, I'm on that team. And so I I wonder how it changes the way that the story is being processed in live time. Well, yeah. I mean, like everyone always asks me, like, for instance, this is a good example. Like in December of 2020, I had Candace Dillard on my show just because that was the end of the Potomac season. And people, you know, I I don't really pay attention to social media just because I'm so busy. So like, if you're not coming on my show, I really try not to pay attention to what's going on just because I can't, you know, I prepare for my show. So like, I don't really know really sometimes I do what the temperature is so I didn't realize that everybody hated Candace until she was on my show and then when I post it and I get all the negative comments I'm like oh all these people hate Candace so that's when I realized that so I never truly have a team really I that is my show I this is why I don't like there's a lot of podcasts that talk about the show as if it's real. And that is what I can't do. Like they'll say like, oh my, and when I go on a lot of podcasts, that's how they talk to me. And I am a gracious guest. So I will not, I mean, it's not my place to change your whole show, but I can't have a conversation of like, oh my God, like I can't believe Sonya's acting like this this season. And like, it's just like, well, she is like, I'm not saying the show is fake, but to me, it's like, I never have a team. I judge you based on real life. So when Candace, before she came on my show, during my show and after my show, I had 
a wonderful experience with Candace Dillard. Wonderful. So I love Candace Dillard at this present moment. That could change because things often change in the reality TV world. Everyone in the world is like, blah, 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 blah. Where's Monique? Yes, I just had Monique on. I would take Monique an hour after Candace left. She didn't want to come on. There's nothing I can do. Doesn't mean I'm team Candace. So that is like, I never have a team from the show, if that makes sense, truly. Yeah, I like certain people better than others. Do I have a preference between Candace and Monique? Yes, I do. Do I love them both? Yes, but I have a preference. I had Lisa Barlow on my show from Salt Lake and two seconds later, I had Whitney on. Lisa trashed Whitney. Whitney, do I have a preference between those two? Absolutely, I prefer one over the other as a human being. I would not reveal either of the references. Good, you're good. (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter what I see on the show. It's just like my experience with you. And then that's the other thing too. I get caught in the middle of things and I'm like, well, fuck you because everyone is allowed to eat. This is my job. So like if a Candace now is pissed and won't come back on my show, there was a tweet I saw. It wasn't about me. It was about Monique, but I'm like, you know, Lisa, Whitney, like I am not in the middle of this. So if someone is not going to come on my show because like if Lisa or something to say is not going to come on my show because Whitney trashed, trashed her. I mean, it's almost awkward at times. Like someone is saying something, you know, Whitney will go through why Lisa is so horrific. And I will literally be like, so the, anyway, like I won't say yes. Like I'm very, I won't say even like one transition word that could be taken out of context because it's not, I'm not saying it. So anyone that gets mad at me, have there been casualties? Some, but not even for those reasons, but I'm just like, I will stand behind it. I won't like second, like you could argue, well, Candace is still on the show. She still has a lot of life left in her. So if having Monique on my show now ruined me ever having Candace back or any of the Potomac women. I'm not saying that's the case. I understand that the bigger issue for my show is the current cast going forward. But in that moment where someone was like, I am handing you Monique, I would never choose anything but that. I will, I don't have any regrets. I do what is best for the show at that time. So for me, it's like, if you are not gonna come back on my show because of what a guest said, that you hate and that hates you. I mean, how is that any different? You're going on Andy's show, you're going on Wendy's show, you're going on, I don't wanna hear it. I That I will double down on. I'm like, I, I never said this. If I'm trashing you, that's fine, but I didn't. And the guests did, and it's their hour or two hours or whatever it is, and this is their truth, and it's not up to me to stop them. I don't know if that answers your question, but it's great. I, I don't have a team. I really don't. I have really base it on real life and I do have preferences, but my, t- I always say my team is team David Yontif behind the velvet rope, whoever wants to come on my show. And when you don't want to come on my show or speak to me, then yes, now I hate you. Right now <laughs> I have a preference. Is, yeah. Now I have a preference and now I will shade. The, and listen, then I do talk about certain housewives that I, I'm not happy with it. I say nasty things because they have wronged me in real life and treated me a certain way. Mm. Maybe having nothing even to do with my show. 
just Short on a personal that, level. I won't come after you if you've never really done anything to me, whether I liked you or not, until you're rude to me. So I never say like this one or that one or, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, Ebony and like the race and we've had enough of this and did it in. Why are we still talking? You know, I had Ebony on my show. Loved her before, loved her during, loved her after. That was a good I show, really, by the way. Right? It was I good. Mean, it was just, so then I don't really have an opinion about whether, like, I don't get in those bigger issues of like, should we be involving all this serious race talk on, you know, this is what's going around. A lot of people are not happy. A lot of people don't like Ebony. A lot of people do. I'm like, I don't have an opinion on that and what should be going on. And Roni, I'm not the producer of Roni. I loved Ebony. I thought she was a great interview. I, to me, she's been wonderful afterwards. I thought we had an amazing conversation. I think she's a total class act. So I don't really care who's mad at who on the show. Love Luann. Love Luann. Sorry. Like them both. I thought it was interesting that Ebony was talking to you about the cross, cross show friendships she has with um, with Garcelle, Dr. Tiffany Moon, and um, um, Crystal Minkoff. I was like searching for the last name. I can see that. Yeah. See um, that. And, and you know, to me, I'm also like, oh, that's the stuff I want to hear about as a listener because we're always so caught up in the individual franchises, but they have these whole lives that aren't on the camera. And that's that can get like really interesting. Now. Yeah, I like to talk about that more than on camera. You know, some on-camera stuff, but that's what I like to talk about. And that's where the name of the show still makes sense. And I think it is because I am friends with some of these people. So, like, I know, like, I'll be out with someone and I'll be like, oh, you're, you're, you're texting that person from that franchise. And, like, I think it's just more like you know how it works. So, you know, and look, they all want to keep their jobs. So I think everyone is being somewhat inauthentic, whether it's 2% or 20% or like you want to be there. So you will do what you have to. doesn't mean that it's a fake show. It just means that like when Candace was on my show, she talks about going to get her master's degree, which is going to be part of the story this season. But like, we spoke about that for a while. And it was like, I, when I was done with Candace, I'm like, I think she's in on, on the joke. Like, I think personally, I think Candace will do whatever she has to, to stay on the show, but that's not really so bad. Like, isn't that the job? Isn't that the goal? Like, right. Kenya Moore even said at, she said at the reunion for Atlanta, Someone's like, why? Why did you make such a big deal out of Bolo? And who's? she's like, well, like, we're at work. Like, that's why I'm asking about it. Like, Bolo slept in someone's room. And, like, this this is the job. I That's how I think. I'm like, it's the job. Like, so, like, when I, just my experience with Candace on my show before, during, and after, I'm not defending Candace because I love Monique. It just was like... I was like, I think Candace is my take a lot smarter than people think. And she knows what she's doing and she's doing it because you look at someone like Bronwyn who would do anything to stay on the show, didn't do it so well, wasn't so smart. So I'm okay with you doing anything to stay on the show if you do it in a way 
that we actually aren't sure. Like, I'm not sure if Candace is in on the joke or it's just Candace. Bronwyn, it's like you're 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 in on the joke. You're just not good at it. Like, this isn't natural. <laughs> Nobody thinks this is natural. So you would do anything to stay on the show, but everyone knows it now. So now you're fired. Like now no one is buying this bullshit. It is a, so you see what I'm saying? Like that's the difference for me. It is an interesting dynamic that fans have where that I think you're tapping into where they're holding cast members to a particular standard. Like they don't want any villains. No one there there shouldn't be any conflict. Why is there this conflict? Um, and they get upset that there's a conflict without recognizing or or maybe fans do, I don't know. But it's almost like they want to hold somebody like Kenya Moore to like a standard that like, no, I don't need Kenya to suddenly become like a good moral ethical person. Like I need a villain on screen. Like I need Tamara saying naked wasted because that's where my, like, that's why I'm watching and I'm getting annoyed at the screen and I'm screaming at it. Like, yeah. And like, I just, I don't know. Like, yeah. I can't pretend that, like, it's all real. Like, it is real. No one's telling you what to do, but I guess because I know these people. So then you have these real-life conversations with them, and, like, like even, like, Jackie, like, during this whole thing, I'm not saying she wasn't upset. I mean, her husband, and, like, this is... But, like, then she's still able to, like, go out to dinner. Like, I'm not saying with Teresa. I'm just saying, like, you're not like destroy like so i don't know maybe it's just because i know these people in real life as this stuff is being aired like they're okay because it's the season's going well they're going to come back they're not laughing like lol but it's just like i don't know i I don't know what it is but i can't like just not break the fourth wall because then it's like this isn't the real life right okay does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I I don't believe everything. Like, I mean, there was a party for Margaret, a pride party a few weeks ago. I went. It's being filmed. It's not fake, but they had Jackie sit down with one of the potential new girls, Tiki Barber's wife. It's all. It's, I'm not revealing anything. Right. I don't know if she's going to make it. That's my own opinion, just based on observing her. But, like, okay, so, like, Jackie and her may not know each other. The producers are making them. So that makes sense. Like, Jackie needs a friend on the show. Like, so it's not fake, but it's like Jackie. A little produced. It's unscripted. It's just unscripted. Put the drink down. Say goodbye to David. Say goodbye to Evan. Go sit over there and have this conversation. Okay, sure. Whatever. So yeah, it's unscripted. So I don't, that's why I don't really, I can't get upset about the script on the show. David, do you think... I'm going all the way back. We, we have to talk about race a little bit because we are in the United, yes. the United States of America. David, do you yes. think, and I haven't listened to your es- episode. Um, um, that, yes. Do you think that there's a back, door, a back conversation between um, Garcelle, Crystal, Ebony, um, Tiffany Moon, Dr. Tiffany Moon, Moon, all the cast members that are kind of, integrating um, different shows. Do you think there's a backdoor conversation where they're calling each other girl and then this happened today? Or Because to me, I would think that that would be valid 
But do you think there is, or do you think they're just operating independently? Well, Ebony, I can tell you, Ebony said on my show that being on the show is like a sorority. And she said, I am also in a subgroup of that sorority. And she yes, said, she I have a text. I mean, literally, Good. she has a text chain with Crystal, Garcelle, and Tiffany. And then I followed up and said, so then do you get affected? Like between Cam and Tiffany at the reunion, Sutton and Crystal. She said, yes, yes. And she said both ways, I not only get offended, you know, or not offended, like affected when she sees something, she said, watching Crystal and Sutton gave me, this is why I love Ebony, from lawyer to lawyer, she's like, it gave me more insight into what I'm going through with Luann. Yes. So that's why I love Ebony, personally. It's not, it's that she's able to, I felt after having her, I mean, I told her I was a lawyer right away. And I think she just was like, okay, I got it. You're smart. Like, and we sparred. So I think Ebony to me, just having interviewed her is very much like, I don't agree with you. I'm staying calm. This is why I don't agree with you. Let me explain to you before you open your mouth, all the reasons why. And now that I've told you all the reasons why I think you are wrong, go ahead and tell me why you think I am wrong. That is why I like Ebony. She's like, here's what I think and tell me what you think. And even if you should listen to it, like it really was a good episode. And she'll say like, this is my opinion on this situation with Luann. And let me be very clear. I am talking about this encapsulated situation, not on any other grand statement. So she's very much like, I am not making an over generalization about race for your particular question, David, I'm answering this in regards to Luann or whatever she said. That's why I loved her. She was very clear about like, you know, and I asked like, how is this? Like that you have taken this on. That's not necessarily, it's kind of what you signed up for. It was obvious, but not really. You didn't really take this on for all of the world. But she's doing very well. I mean, anytime a woman of color walks into the room, they're taking it on. Um, but She's doing it really, really well, and I'm appreciating how Crystal also, on the other hand, is just making poor Sutton uncomfortable just by standing there. Um, so I just wanted to clarify there is a, a backdoor chain of command. Okay, this is my last question, David. Yeah. I promise you I have no more to give today. And I think Ebony is doing it really well, too. She's I, I really do. doing she, it well. You know, knowing that there were other people in the mix for this role – and I don't just mean Bershawn. Like I interviewed like Alicia Quarles, who was on my show. Like she was in, and I love Alicia. I just, and I love Bershawn. Like, I don't see how now that I know Ebony, how this job was even, I don't even think, I don't know how it was even close or if it was close. Like to me, I don't know who you could have hired. That would have done it better. I think like, she's doing no, excellent. Nobody. Like she to me is so, yeah, she's excellent. Really, she's excellent. She is. So, which housewife or housewives franchise will go down as the greatest of all time? Who, what franchise or what person is going to be the goat? Of ever? Of ever. One person? Or you can do a franchise. You could do one person and one franchise from like one person from That's one franchise. Just and just as hard. I mean, there's so many superstars. I mean, to me, it's like, 
I always have said this because everyone was concerned about Bethany leaving. Everyone was concerned about Lisa Vanderpump leaving. People were concerned about Stassi leaving. You know, it's not Housewives. I really feel that the sum of the parts is greater like than the whole or whatever that saying is. So I never stress out. Do I love Bethany and Housewives? Yes, Lisa. But like, I never, I don't look at it and say, oh, the show was so much better with Lisa or Bethany. I don't say that. I doesn't even miss a beat to me. Having said that, I feel, and I've said this for years, there's so few people that you think are not disposable. I mean, Nene is gone. So I do think every single person is disposable. And that is why I am so shocked when you have like a Dorinda or anyone of like that Vicky, I love Vicky, but like when you're shocked that it was you, it's like how arrogant, like, Vicky is gone. Dorinda is like, no, how are you shocked? Like you've seen your, the biggest names be fired. Having said that, I don't think anyone is as protected as Teresa. Mm -hmm. I mean, even on Beverly Hills, could it, could, I think, yes, they could fire Kyle and it would go on. They could fire Erica and it could go on. They could fire Rinna. Those people are probably not going to be fired, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and listen, Teresa could be fired too. And Jersey would go on just fine, but they did wait for her while she was in prison. I mean, they're not going to wait for Jen Shaw. I can tell you that much if she goes to prison because she's allegedly done some things, but I just think still Teresa is like, it's a different status of New Jersey. And if you think about each person in their franchise, I think the most protected person is truly Teresa, who else is that protected in their franchise? New York, certainly not. Ramona and Sonia and Luann, I think are gonna live to see another day. I don't think they're gonna let anyone go from New York. That's not insider, it's just my prediction. They have five people, I think they're gonna add someone. And the year after that, I do think Sonia and or Sonia and Ramona are gonna go. But like, I don't know, Teresa, that name doesn't even come up in New Jersey for like, how are we gonna shake this up? So. For that reason, I think Teresa is maybe the face of Housewives. And the fact that, yes, everyone says Andy has favorites. He does. But, like, you look at, like, Teresa, like, I mean, what more do you want from someone? Like, yes, she makes, like, $1.5 million a year and does the same job that, you know, Jennifer and Jackie do. Now they're up from their 60000 But, like... Your husband is deported, your ex-husband, you're divorced, you were in jail, your mother has passed away. Like, what more do you want? Like, this is, she's given her life for this show. This is real stuff. So, and, she, you know, so I think Teresa is the, if you really want to, not even favorite, but just the face of Housewives, I think. The fact. Thank you. So, David, tell us what comes next for you. What do you want? people to know how can they get in touch with you if they want to learn more was there anything that we didn't dish about that you want to touch on in our last few minutes that uh, we get to talk with you well I can tell you what is next is I will still be doing the behind the velvet rope podcast five days a week it is not just reality tv we have actors and actresses Lots we have, and I'm not just saying this, 
we have a lot of big names coming up two in particular that i you know you asked me about like different moments in my career there are two people coming up that are true legitimate comedic actress icons i mean like it's not Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston, but it is people that paved the way for the two of them. And it's like names that if you are even like 20 years old, I think everyone knows these two people having nothing to do with each other. So I have teaser huge, right? Some huge names coming up and all those shows I mentioned, 90210, Melrose, like there are actual legitimate people coming up. I just had all these singers on, like I had on Tiffany from the eighties and like Tony Basil and, so it's not just reality, it's mostly reality, but not just Bravo. Five days a week, it's an interview. And literally, I am an investigative journalist, like you said, that is my strategy. I will get the facts for you. So if you like that style of a show, keep listening. I always tell people like, like sometimes people will say to me, like in the comments, they'll say nasty things. And I'm like, but this is the fifth time you said something nasty this month. And yet you've listened to all five shows. So I am okay with like, you might hate me. I mean, most of the people that listen like me, but if you hate me, you can't help but listen because guess what? Now I'm going to have Lala on and now I'm going to have Stasi on and now I'm going to have, so you can hate me all you want, but you know that I'm going to get dirt out of this person and you can't help but listen. That is what I've tried to achieve in that. So what is next is we're just going to keep doing five days a week. I've got some other projects in the mix. Who knows what will happen? And you can, so Behind the Velvet Rope, anywhere podcasts are found. And if you want to find me online, it's at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. There's no the, Instagram doesn't like long titles, at Behind Velvet Rope. Follow me. It is really me. And if you listen, I'm curious to see what people think of the show. I think it's a super fabulous show. And um, just for our listeners, because we have a lot of, you know, academics that listen to our show that are into reality TV, they really need to listen to your show if they are working on you know, pop culture, television, reality TV projects, because it is a treasure trove of information. And there's like, we had like the director for This Is Paris, like we have directors and it's not just all the fluff. You know, I don't think we're going to have anyone of any political stature or like a sports person, unless they're like, I had Mike Hill on, he's married to Cynthia Bailey. Mm -hmm. So by default, but yes, it's that type. But you know, it's not, there's a lot of people there are shows I have and that are deep there. It's deeper than it sounds because I do love to talk about issues of like, you're obsessed with fame. And like, for instance, I had Michael Fishman on from Roseanne, little DJ Connor. I mean, we did the whole gamut of like, when you were three, five years old, it convinced me that you, and I'm not coming for you, but just convinced me at five years old that you went up to your parents and said, I want to go work as an actor and work, I, I, I don't, I don't understand how a child gets into acting and that's okay. If your parents were like, we have a cash cow, mm -hmm. I'm okay with that, but let's just call it what it is. And you convinced me that you wanted it. And then we had the whole, like, you know, the end of Roseanne and what she did and the Connors. And so like something like that. And like, you know, what happened when Roseanne ended, like Sarah Gilbert has the talk, Roseanne is Roseanne, John Goodman's winning Academy Award no one cared about you. You didn't have any work. Like, did you feel forgotten? I'm, I'm not being shady. I'm just like, no, I this like is a great question. Like, so like, then I have interviews like that. So like, I do take it deep, you know, it's more like, 
yeah, you're right. Like I, everyone did forget about me. I'm like, it's not how Hollywood works. I'm like, I, I, I get it. You can't just call Sarah Gilbert and be like, put me on the panel of the talk. It's not going to happen. You know, and yeah, the Connors is back and you're finally going to get a paycheck for the first time in, you know, 15 years. And then Roseanne tweets this and like, now you're fired again. And like, so I, it is for all your intelligent listeners. Like we, we, we go to deep lens. It's not just like, what oh you're michael fishman and you're famous and let's chat it's like i want to get into like the psyche of like your like randy spelling like you grew up at spelling manor like you're very down to earth and normal how did the hell did that happen and like same <laughs> thing like when 90210 was on the air and you were the same age like how was that like tori is your sister like there's so much shit about tori every day it's just stuff like i like really getting into like we think because like they are just people but we think they're so like interesting because it's not our life. Mm -hmm. But if that was your life, you would be like, what's the big deal? I grew up at Spelling Manor. Like I understand it was big, but it wasn't that great. I was still at my parents in the next room. Like it's that type of dynamic that I love. Sorry, I'm talking. About. No, no I love great. it. I mean, I love the fabulosity. I love the deep introspection and, 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 and diving we've done. I, I've loved it. I'll I'm so sorry we didn't get to play our Bonco party today. How are we going to go on? I don't know. Because I, I would feel bad keeping you for just like. It, we can do it. Are you sure? We can do it really. Yeah, yeah. We can do a quick yeah, five minute Bonko party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what that entails. But that sounds I create my own sort of like watch what happens live sort of games. Because, you know, when we are talking about housewives and history, things can get pretty tense and deep. Um, you know, because we are looking at these shows as like, what does it tell us about? U.S. history, world history, various trends. And so sometimes we need palate cleanser. So this is how the game was created. So I decided that today's game, I am officially calling. What did I officially call it? I officially called it Housewives Consultation. And I'm calling it Housewives Consultation because this is your panel right now, David, I pulled four house, potential housewives that I want to put into the universe is I would like to see these women cast on these shows. And I want to get the quick sound bite of advice that you would give them because you've said that your next career move someday in a next life would be consulting for housewives formally. So I would like you to lead our panel in, in this consultation. Okay. Okay. First one. Um, if Christina Hack was added to the cast of Real Housewives of OC. Now, Christina Hack is, um, you know, um, HGTV star. She just divorced Aunt Onstead. So, um, you know, she's had Christina on the coast and other HGTV shows. She is uh, a Newport Beach person. So she would be in that Orange County circle and she would not be new to the camera what would you suggest as her advice she is she how old is she i've seen pictures and is she like approximately and is she wealthy or is it like fake money like most of the housewives no nope, no shade that's just honest truth i mean i feel like orange county is always kind of not felt as wealthy as some of the other franchises um i think that she would definitely have closer to like not quite Heather Dubrow money, but I think she would maybe be pretty comfortable. Like she would maybe, it would maybe be like Heather and then like a Shannon Christina. My advice to her would be 
this is a whole different ballgame. So, you know, I imagine you had some control over your last edit and it was edited a certain way and you have absolutely no control. So my advice is, you know, just understand what you've signed up for. And this is not a happy, like, let me host the following show. Your edit will just be what they would like it to be. And just be prepared for the fact that it's not going to be happy and wonderful. It's going to be whatever comes out. If Latavia... Forget your last job. This is, this is the big leaks. Sorry, I thought, I thought you no, were done. I, I apologize. If they added Latavia Robertson to ROA... She was um, the the fourth member of Destiny's Child, so she um, she was uh, I guess she dro- she was dropped from the group. Uh, so we she see- was dropped slash slash left. Yes, um, My, and she's in the Atlanta well, area still. She's on a reality show right now. She has been doing reality TV. What is she on now? I wish I could tell you the name of it. I just stumbled on it the other night. And I do not know that for the record. I think it's called, is it, is it R&B Divas Atlanta? Thank you. That's what it was. Yeah. Well, my advice would be a, I am sure you know these people, but call some of your, not even housewives, call some of your famous friends. So call a Candy Burris, B Shamari DeVoe, C Claudia Jordan, and D let's just throw in, Eva Marcel, get their advice. I would listen maybe to Candy the most since she's had a long run and just, you know, also, by the way, don't turn your nose down at this. I mean, I guess if you're already doing reality TV, you're not, but like, you know, I didn't know your name. So this is actually a great thing. It can only help your music and help your career and accept it, but call those four and ask for advice because they were all in the public eye somewhat before signing on if Chrissy Teigen was added to Beverly Hills yeah what are you gonna say now David (laughs) I would say this is possibly one of the best casting decisions that I've heard oh thank you all year (laughs) and um I don't know why it's taken this long to cast her because, like, you know, people joke every year, like, Tori Spelling, Tori Spelling. It will never happen. That's jumping the shark. Tori Spelling is too, is going to stick out like a sore thumb. Chrissy Teigen will not. She will blend like Rinna. Yeah, she'll, she'll bring it. But, like, Chrissy Teigen is the type that after two seasons, you'll forget she's Chrissy Teigen in a good way. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of forgot in the second season Denise Richards was Denise Richards. She was just Denise on the Housewives who slept with Brandy. Then when she (laughs) resigned, you're like, oh shit, she's Denise fucking Richards, as she said. So I think Chrissy Teigen, you would forget that she has this whole life and she certainly doesn't need the money, you know, as long as she stays married or has a great divorce. So I think she would bring it and she would know what to do and she would be freaking amazing. Yeah, and, and not for nothing, this will actually help. This will this help. Will help. This will help you rebuild your career. You're worried about, you know, you're going to be canceled all over the world. This will help. Actually acting insane and getting into it 
people will move on because you'll be involved in so much more drama. I mean, look, you're standing next to Jen Shaw and Erica and Teresa, like it's fine, honey. Like what you did is child's play and just move on and you'll, you'll be known for a lot more drama and it will be the best thing that happened to your life. And I think that call should be made right now. Thank you. Last consult that you'll give in our Banco party um, on your expert advice. Tabitha Coffee added to Ronj, and I really want to put that into the universe. I feel like well, Chrissy and um, and Tabitha are the two that I'd really love to see as housewives. Well, did you steal this idea from the Behind the Velvet Rope David Yontev interview with Miss Tabitha Coffee? I did listen to it. I, You know what? Honestly, Tabitha's shows on Bravo were my go-to reality TV shows way back when. And I really miss Tabitha on screen. Tabitha and so when it is. when you suggested it, I was like, oh, no, we really got to talk about this more to try to, like, get the energy in the universe on board. It was a great interview question in the sense that her and I couldn't stop laughing for about 20 minutes she cracked up and she's like, you know, do you really want to see this? And like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, I actually really do want to see this. I think, listen, she, she, I think it would be great for her. Really? I mean, it's New Jersey, so it's different. It's different. You know, like, yeah, she would look at Jennifer and be like, you're a disaster of a human being. You're, you're a clown. She would be like, she would not hold back. We, we know that about Tabitha. Yeah, I think she would be friends with Margaret. I think she'd be friends with Jackie. I don't think she would be such great friends with Teresa and, or Jennifer. Or But, like, I think Tabitha's perfect for New Jersey. She lives there. She is New Jersey. She says what's on her mind. And like I said, I mean, she's an out lesbian. So that is something else we discussed on the show that it is about time. And I guess that, and like I said on my show, I guess that's not fair. I guess I should say we already had a lesbian because we had Bronwyn, I guess. But nobody is thinking in those terms, are they? So I think that Tabitha would be great in that sense too. And I think she would bring it. I really do. Like as strange as it may sound for a minute, I think she would blend as well. Because she even said on my show, and I really do believe her, and that's another thing from interviewing all these people, People don't realize it's not my place. I ask you questions. I push, I get answers and I move on. There are people that I interview. It's been a while, but I can think of at least two off the top of my head. There are people that I interview. I don't believe a word that they say, not, not a word. There's at least two I can think of where I'm like, I don't literally not, not a word. So Tabitha during our interview said, you know, when the shows ended, it was like time because it didn't feel natural anymore. And she never wanted to like act like for the cameras. And I do believe that. I don't believe that that's like a way to like sweep it under the rug and I was fired and kicked out. You know, I think it was a lot of things, but I do believe that it was, she was ready to go. So I think Tabitha is authentic and wouldn't bring it just for the cameras. I really don't. I think she would just be herself and that would be a great housewife. Thank you so much. This was a fantastic housewife consultation. You are our big winner today in our Bonko party game break. Oh, jazz hands. So jazz hands. <laughs> Never played Bonko before, so now I did. I, mean, I feel so Orange County right now. <laughs> Thank you so much 
for coming on our show today. Uh, we really appreciated you being here and chatting with us. I'll come back anytime. And yes, if everyone wants to follow me at Behind Velvet Rope, and if you want to listen, Behind Me Velvet Rope. And if you let me know when this is coming out and tag me, I will share it all over. This was fun. Thank you so it much. It was fun. Thank you. Thank nice you. meeting you. Thank you. Thank you to all of you. Thanks, Max, too. And mm-hmm. keep in touch. Yep. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Have a great weekend. Bye. As always, you can find us at historiansonhousewives.com where you can propose your own episode topic, ask us questions, and send us feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at historiansh. And don't forget that you can like and review the podcast on your podcast platform. Thank you, David Yontef. This show was brought to you with the support by Barbara and Mark Spear, Saddleback Community College, Molly Callahan, Dr. Joaquin Galarza, Courtney Crow, Lara Loper, Luis Asio de Dios, and the Ajipon Foundation. And remember, scholars do bravo too. I love when like a guest checks so many boxes. That's Isaac. It's like you've been on reality TV. Like you have these famous friends. Like you have connections to housewives. You were on watch. Like I'm like, this is like 12 boxes here at once. But yeah, I was like, wait, you had a viewing party and Diane Keaton was there? Like I can't make this up. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.